What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had an interview with Casey Romero, an extremely accomplished USPA 83 kg, 90 plus kg lifter. Just came off of her performance at Hybrid Showdown in Miami, and we talked about the competition, and it was one hell of a competition. Talk about performance whether or not she was satisfied with it, dive into how she got started in powerlifting, how she balances and relates competing as a powerlifter and coaching other competitors, kind of the similarities and differences there. A, a, a really good conversation about the mindset you should have as a competitor. Um, just really good conversation there. And of course, we get into word association. So before we get into this awesome interview with KC, I want to talk to you guys about Left Fly Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, visit leftflybros.com and get yourself some merchandise. I love their apparel. I wear it all the time, and I only wear things I think I look good in, and I think I look great in each and every one of their clothing, especially the baseball tees. I love their baseball tees. I love baseball tees. I think I look great in them. I like my beanies. I like the beanies as well, and I wear them to the gym, and to a lot of different places. That's the great thing about the apparel. You can wear it to the gym, and you can wear it out places because they have awesome designs. Not a lot of powerlifting apparel has that, but Leflar Bros do, and you can save some money using 2WL10. Go on leflarbros.com, use that code 2WL10, and get 10% off of your order. Also, while you're on the internet, Right after you close the tab out of leftlarbros.com, go to rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15, and get yourself 15% off of your proteins, branching and amino acids, pre-workout, creatine, whatever you need. Rivalist has got it. Use promo code ANGELO15. And here it is. Two white lights. It is Monday, February 10th, and welcome to Two White Lights, the favorite podcast of Greg Knuckles. And we have a terrific show for you. I introduce her beginning of the show, Casey Romero, joined me for an interview, and terrific interview with her. She was on my radar for a while, just moving big, big numbers, and compete at Hybrid Showdown, and that meet was awesome. Uh, I did not realize how many high-level competitors were competing there, and that is an early candidate for meet of the year. So it was cool to talk to someone who competed in it, but obviously if you compete in that meet, you're a great lifter, And but like... Again, we I really don't do like a whole lot of breaking down of meets and events and all that stuff, but that meet was awesome. And there was so many amazing things that happened. Um, Jamal Browner probably stole the show with that 970 deadlift, and it was, I'm going to go on record saying it was the most impressive thing I've seen in the sport, most impressive lift I've seen in the sport. Just beauty. It was just perfect. It was an amazing deadlift. So flawless, so technically sound. Um. He was on the show once, so if you guys want to check out the interview I did with him, um, check that out. I'm not sure what episode number it was, but 
Yeah, we. I mean, Charlie Binkley was there, a former guest of ours. Um, a lot of people from Illinois went out to compete there and went out to watch. Uh, Tom Callis went, went out there to compete. Steffi Cohen uh, competed, broke a world record on her like, opener. Kevin Oak was there. Daniel Masenek, one of my favorite lifters, was competing as well. And they all had really good meets, and it was awesome to see. And I think I'm probably going to miss a few people if I keep on like rattling off the level of the, the amount of high-level competitors that were there. But, yeah, awesome meet. And I said that's like the only amount of coverage I'm going to give it because, again, with, without a co-host, it's hard to break down and talk about meets. Um, it's really hard to do that solo. So, so, yeah, I think you probably heard enough of me talk uh, without a guest. And that's what we're here for. You were here to listen me interviewing Casey Romero, and here it is. And as promised, I got with me via FaceTime, coming off of Hybrid in Miami from Tampa, Florida, 198. Occasionally goes 198 plus. Casey Romero, how the hell are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, and I got to ask you, very first question, because we go into the whole intro, especially with someone who's new to the show. I got to ask, how does it feel coming off of a meet that quite possibly is the early contender for powerlifting meet of the year? Um, how do, like, what do you mean? Like, how I did, or? Oh, no, it's, I mean, how do you feel competing at that meet? Because I look, I, mean, was... I, I was looking at that meet, and I didn't even realize the level of, like, top-notch competitors that were going to be there. It's actually showing the, how bad I am at my job, like, not paying attention, <laughs> how many people were there. So I, I was looking, and I was watching, I was like, Oh, I didn't know Jamal was doing that meet. I'm like, he was on the show before. I didn't know Danny Masenek is was doing that meet. He's one of my favorite lifters. Shit, Kevin Oak is doing it. And then I just kept on looking and looking. I'm like, this meet is stacked, and the quality of the performance was amazing. So, how did this feel competing there? I mean, it was a, it was it was a really good meet. It was a really good meet. I mean, if we're talking like how I did in it, like it wasn't bad because I did like I PR'd literally everything. Mm-hmm. So that part wasn't bad. It's just. I guess the goals of what I set for myself and, like, what probably other people weren't expecting. I mean, after, like, um, that strapped pull of 625, I'm sure everyone's like, oh, my gosh, she's going to pull 600. I'm like, y'all, it's really not the same thing at all. Like, <laughs> you know, like, when, when like me without the straps is totally different. Um, not only because it's, like, strapless, but because I'm I've so heavily trained with straps and I never um, even trained mixed grip. I honestly, I was training hook grip. For the, pur- for the purpose to match, like, straps. Um, and I just completely just said, I, you know, like, I literally, I think it was, like, a week and a half out. I was like, I'm not doing hook grip. I'm doing mix. So mm-hmm. I just had to kind of go with what I can pull from that. So, yeah, with that whole thing, like, so obviously deads didn't really go the way I wanted. Um, I'm not really a venture, so I don't really care about that. Um, squats went really, really well because um, throughout prep, I was constantly, like, talking about my depth like it's always like a weird thing of like me getting into the hole is always just really weird I don't know I like freak out while I'm getting into the hole and I'll just come up kind of early but I think like one big difference was with that was I kept having I kept looking down when I was squatting mm-hmm. and like everyone would always tell me like why do you have your head down why do you have your head down and I'm just like it's, it's just what I do like I just that's just how I squat and literally like four days out I'm like I'm gonna look up and then I started looking up and I started hitting death and I was just like oh okay so everyone was right um but yeah, like it was super cool because like um, just from like changing my squat setup with that and going a little bit wider and just kind of added like minor tweaks, I got like all nine whites on squats. So that was like, I was like, you know what? After like those three squats, I was like, this is a great meet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hopefully I don't bum out. <laughs> yeah. <Like> well, 
<laughs> but so, all right. So then describe what would be the ideal meet for you because you PR'd and like big PRs too on all yeah, three. Yeah, they're solid. Yeah, and all three of your lifts. So if there was, was there like a total you had set or on all three, were you looking to hit a specific number? I mean, I guess I had kind of like an unrealistic expectation because like I really went into the meet like, okay, I'm just going to be kind of easy on squat and bench. And my real focus was deadlifts. And I was like, it'd be really cool if I could take like a deadlift record did not come close um but yeah like the 198 record i think i would have to do like 603 198 plus wasn't much so i didn't really care it was like 607 mm-hmm. i was like well i can easily pull both of those of straps so i was like mm, so if i can easily do it with straps and maybe i can difficultly do them with the next grip not happening <laughs> so i'm really just that's why like i had like my program already set up and like i was already going into it because i was just like all right i need to transition like my strap pull into my mix grip, which like isn't really a difficult thing to do. It's just it's kind of more just tedious than anything. Mm-hmm. So where does the change come from hook grip to mix grip? Because usually when I see people with straps, they're dead set on doing hook grip because again, you sh- I mean you shouldn't be doing a whole lot of reps with hook grip. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of people warm up with hook grip. I mean with straps in the warm up room when they're doing yeah. hook grip, so they don't rip a nail. So was it just like I need to do this? in order to pull the most weight or was there anything else that made you change the mix grip my hook grip was just ugly and i just hated like having such an ugly deadlift because like with hook grip i just like had super upper back rounding which like i mean even with mixes like if you watch the video i still had it mm-hmm. but it was just more prominent in my opinion with hook grip uh not only that but like i have low pain tolerance for my thumbs so i couldn't like i couldn't really do all i can do i'm just so focused on the fact of like oh my god, my thumbs are on fire, and it, I lose it way easier than I do with mix grip. Mm-hmm. Like, my mix grip, it'll pretty much hold for anything at all. Like, I, I never worry about grip on that. Where my, if my thumb is, like, if it's, if it's like, a minor, like, difference in, like, the way I held it, then it could easily slip out. And I just didn't want to run that risk. I was like, um, there has to be a way where I can kind of maneuver my way into my setup where it kind of replicates um, my strap pull. And plus, like, I, I, even with, like, my mix grip, I pull kind of um more so like in my the my fingers ish mm-hmm. i mean i have like bigger hands i'm tall um so i can kind of get away with pulling on my fingertips and kind of just getting my thumb around um so yeah that's what i've been that's what i practiced like a week out was trying to get um the bar more in my lower part of my hands so i can kind of be close to my um, strap pull, if not at least matching what I was doing with my hook grip anyway. Yeah, and you mentioned something interesting on the lead-up to your meet that you started to get a little bit unrealistic expectations. Is that due to just you being reposted on different lifting pages and then other people kind of hyping yeah. up your lifts? Because, or... <laughs> that does. Yeah. I mean, that is a serious thing that happens, that people yeah. start moving a lot of weight in the gym and then they have other people in their ear. It's like, okay, well, now i got to put this on the play- platform because – people are expecting this yeah i mean it was just like oh my god this girl just pulled the 625 that's massive and it's just like um that's not gonna happen most likely i mean like yeah so i was definitely very very stressed leading up to me because i was just like i feel like there's a lot of eyes on me just because of like that post mm-hmm. um which like maybe in like a different scenario i wouldn't have cared as much if i had done that the way I was going to do it in a meet. Like, had this been, like, a strap meet, right? And they're like, use straps. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go in. I'll pull 625. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, the fact that it's, like, no, you don't get straps. It's just like, mm, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and it's uh, funny you should mention that because you're actually mentioning the the deadlift. I actually got bought onto your page because I saw so much of your squat, and I looked at your squat. I'm like, whoa, that's a one a very technical squat. As in, you're just going. It seems like you're really thinking about it the entire way through because you're pretty slow going into the hole, <laughs> and then it it's also a 500 plus squat or high fours consistently. And then I'm like, all right, well, that's a follow. I definitely could learn something from this lifter. Obviously, incredibly strong. But then I re- I'm like, holy shit, there's also a high fives deadlift thrown in there, too. Um, yeah, I would. The internet can be awesome and just put some other thoughts in people's head at the same time. Yeah. I mean, like, the people I've talked to about it, and I was just like, oh, I hope no one thinks I'm going to pull, like, my strap pull or something into me. They're like, well, any, like, seasoned lifter knows, like, that's the difference, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, like, I do have a friend, like, he says how, like, he throws on straps whenever, like, his thumbs are pretty much done, and his pull's actually worse with straps. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Oh, I cannot, I cannot lift in straps. Like, it does not work. It. I tried it once, <laughs> I and... used to be like that. I used to, I used to be like that. I was like, no, I'm never pulling the straps. I feel so weird. I can't engage my lats. It's so bad. And then I, like, just got super cussed. Yeah, I just couldn't... I, I mean, I would just literally would lose grip, which is hilarious that I would lose, like, the grip of the strap, which makes... I mean, it yeah. should make no sense, but until I cannot grip both hands over the bar, I have to do mixed grip or else it just completely slips. Yeah. So, you're obviously super in tune and knowledgeable about, you, about your own lifts. Uh, you also do coaching, but... We're going to get into a little later because I got to ask you that, that first introduction question. How did you get your start in the fitness? And then how did that kind of transition into powerlifting? So I was always kind of like a like a thicker girl, I guess, heavier. I like to eat. Very into eating. <laughs> um, so I got pretty heavy. And I was like, well, okay, I need to do something about this. Like, I need to actually, like, take the gym serious. I was like, well, I know, like, if I set, like, the ultimate goal, then I'll stick to it more so. So then... Um, the first thing I did to actually set a goal was I actually signed up for a bikini bodybuilding NPC thing. So yeah, I was like six months out for that or something and it worked well. So I'm really good with like these end goals. Um, I mean, I, I got to like a lower 19% body fat, like pretty decent, um, first day for like my first competition, whatever. Um, but yeah, like two two months or something prior to the actual competition i met my past boyfriend and he was into powerlifting and so like through him it just kind of got me into like well these people are eating and lifting heavy and i'm like eating spinach and <laughs> doing lame shit so yeah after that um competition i like freaking had like spray hand up my nose literally and i was like this sucks like i'm not into this and then so right after that competition i was like yeah it was cool like being super lean but like i actually want to be like super strong um so from then on like i just did all powerlifting Mm -hmm. so then how well actually i'm i was my first point is i right after college like that's or right after high school i started you know get kind of getting into fitness and bodybuilding was like the first thing that i was interested in but mm-hmm. I never wanted to compete because that whole idea of the competition side of bodybuilding made zero sense to me. Like you mentioned yeah, spray tan up your nose. I'm like, there's not one thing about competing in bodybuilding that I would find enjoyable. People do yeah. find that enjoyable. 
awesome, perfect, that, you know, makes them happier. But for me, I always looked at bodybuilding. Like, I can't see the competition side being very fun. Yeah, like, being on stage and just being judged. And it's, like, not even, like, like, it's not, like, a set-in-stone, like, judging, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're, like, if you powerlift, it's, like, yeah, she pulled 500 pounds. If you're on a stage, there's no, like, set, perfect, like, exactly, like, what's being judged. It's, like, oh, the judges likes her shoulders or, like, her glutes or her hamstrings or whatever. It's, like, it's very opinionated. It's not set Mm -hmm. in stone, like, powerlifting. Like, if you lifted the weight, you lifted the weight. There's no... And obviously, they can say, like, oh, lockout or depth or whatever, but it's just, it's not the same, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. it uh, Well, I was about to say, I used to think that powerlifting, there was no opinions in it, or uh, it's not, you know, objective in any way. But then I saw different federations, how they uh, judge oh, yeah. squats and, I mean, actually all three lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift. I mean, you can manipulate the three into getting white lights, but the nature of it is... Um, it's based on whether or not you can lift a weight. Um, and then two, one of my friends who competed in bodybuilding told me like, oh yeah, you're judged on stage presence. I was like, boom, I'm out. There is nothing yeah. stage <laughs> present about me. I'm like, I yeah, can't no, be exactly. stage present. Like, I mean, yeah. I can't have that like fake personality. It's like, oh, yeah. you always have to have a smile. I'm like, nope, I am not going to flex and smile at the same time. It's like, that yeah. is really bizarre. And that's every- probably the biggest thing for me. Every time I talk about bodybuilding on the show, it sounds like I'm really shitting on it, and I'm not. I just I that that it's, is my sole opinion of it. Yeah, it's a certain personality, just like powerlifting is a certain personality. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And people people get nervous, like, and it's understandable when you hit the platform. People always ask, like, how do you deal with the nerves? It's like it's weird. You're nervous before the lift, but once you step onto the platform, you know that you can't go anywhere. And I'm, like, no longer nervous, like, right in that moment of being on a platform. But actually, right when I step off and right before, I'm incredibly nervous. So I'm, like, a nervous wreck. But right when I go on to it, it's like, okay, I'm calm now. Because I'm either going to miss it or I'm going to hit it, and there's really yeah. nowhere I can go. Like, yeah. if you're shitty at bodybuilding, you have to stay there forever. Yeah. And then you have yeah. to pose and you have to flex. And if it's not – it's like bombing as like a, as a stand-up comedy special. <laughs> It's like you can't go anywhere. It's like you're going to be out there trying to make people entertained or laugh, and you can't go anywhere because you're just – you're on the spot. Going into powerlifting, do you have any, like, inspirations or people that you looked up to while you were, uh, you know, getting your start? Um, I'd actually say that Steph was a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been, like, a big fan of hers. Always loved her. Just because, like, it's cool, like, to if you, like, just watch her, you can see how she – kind of branches out outside of powerlifting in a way like she's big on her like aesthetics and athletics thing Mm -hmm. so like i'm really big about like having the aesthetic like in general of like qualities of of who you are like aesthetics um athletics like your strength whatever and intelligence and like she like um you know she obviously has all of those she has like her phd and whatever um and then obviously she's very lean and, and not only lean, but she has a, she has a solid build and then obviously she's strong. So like, it's like stuff like that is like what I like as like who I would say is like a favorite lifter is when you can kind of combine like all good qualities of like a person. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We had a past episode episode on our Mount Rushmore of like strength athletes and power lifters. Uh, Steffi was on mine due to some of the reason you just added 
And I think there's no one in the sport right now who's actually putting out as good information, free information, as Steffi is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that, um, for a while, that I that I didn't have a coach, I would have to use like Instagram, YouTube, and try to like understand things if I had a hip shift or if there were some issues in my technique. Person like Steffi was a perfect place to go because she was explaining that stuff for free, and that's hard to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Describe to me your first meet, or when did you start competing? Uh, I think my first meet was, like, January of 2017. Okay. So, we're, we've been in the sport for a little bit. So, first meet, how did that go? Um, It was solid. I mean, I didn't, like, bomb out or anything. I think um, in that one... Like I threw one of my numbers. My numbers are probably like a two eighty squat, probably like a one twenty ish bench, and my deadlift. My deadlift was always like pretty solid. It was at least for like starting out. It was always like the heavier one. Um, I think like two sixty or sorry three seventy ish. So yeah, but back back then I was also, I think that first meet I was I weighed in at like one fifty eight or something. So I was a lot smaller. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, usually people are smaller when they begin into the sport. It's either you grow into your weight class or you just grow out of it. It's really not like you're staying, like, super at that level. I mean, even, like, me, it was, like, 173 my first meet. Now, still pretty small. I'm still, like, you know, scraping that 83 weight class, but sort of growing into it. Um, Any any nerves for that meet, or was it just yeah, something? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm, like, not... I'm, like, a super, like, introverted person, so, like, anytime you put me in front of a crowd, I'm just, like, like, that's, like, probably the last thing I would ever want mm-hmm. in the world, which is probably why I was, like, after my last meet, I was, like, I, I didn't care, like, waiting, like, entire year to do it again, so I was, like, this sucks, like, I don't want to do this again, and I think this meet was even worse just because, like, it was, like, a massive meet, and, like, it's being, like, live-streamed, and it's not being live-streamed to, like, like, who's going to watch is like, oh, like, the Tampa area, whatever. Like, like, there's massive lifters who are also, like, attracting attention to it, too. So I'm just like, great. This is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't watch many meets, but that meet I was tuning into. Because, again, just the quality of lifters that were lifting at that meet and a lot of people that I knew, you just kind of yeah. had to tune in. And I think people don't realize the mental drain that competing could take on someone, especially if you're only doing really competitive meets. Mm-hmm. like that can really be mentally draining and people don't understand that aspect of it like okay yeah, no, I, yeah i was thinking i was like on my next meet like i'm not gonna tell anyone i'm just gonna like do it and then surprise the next day with a post like okay so this is <laughs> this is my meet just none of you guys know i did it <laughs> my friend did that actually um did uh we we, I, we called it a stealth meet oh yeah yeah we, we called yeah that's, that's my vibe <laughs> yeah we, we we called it a stealth meet because he did it and we're like dude i didn't know you were competing today he's like yeah i just did one like like, three weeks after his first meet, but, I mean, you are on a podcast, and I'm going to ask when's your, what's the next meet you have in mind? Yeah, I already messed it up, because, like, I already posted it. <laughs> yeah, like, I saw that, it's the big one. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah I know, I, like, screw, I'm, like, I'm totally, like, screwing myself over, like, like, to, like, a next level. It's gonna, this is going to be worse than hybrid, but it's uh, not worse performance-wise, hopefully, mm-hmm. but, I mean, like, with the amount of people watching, it's, like, even, like, it took it up a step. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then I went and, I got, like, I randomly got invited to the showdown meet which is like um it's like it's like i would say it's similar to like the kern Mm -hmm. it's open but it's raw and i'm like that's totally my vibe because i never even put wraps on because they like freak me out oh yeah i'm definitely more of like a raw squatter so yeah i'm i'm more i'm way more into that and like more of like more so like my future goals are more so like they were more 
thought of in like doing raw not raps i don't i really don't want to do rap raps so yeah Yeah, and i think i'm definitely on the same like level right now where i don't want to go into the raps too much but i think there will be a point where i do but there's no push for me to you know do that shit just yet i kind of like the simplicity of raw lifting um and Yeah. yeah that showdown meet is that's a big one too yeah that's uh yeah my friends messaged that to me uh, a while ago on how like big money meet all raw lifting us uspa correct uh maybe i, I think I, that might be no 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 it's actually wrpf again so. wrpf are and they're yeah. taking over on these like big money meets making yeah. the uh, making the uspa look bad i guess by doing that but do you find that as you progress more into the sport because you just told me about your first meet when you progress more is it harder for you to say satisfied with your current progression? Mm, I would honestly say it's been the same because I've always been the same way where I'm just like always just chasing like ridiculous expectations. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, because certain people, because certain people start off and, you know, they're the only time they're ever satisfied was like the first two meets or their first meet. And then after that, as they get better, they become less and less satisfied because they start pushing themselves in, like the top like 1%. And they realize, like, man, I'm only, like, eighth in the world right now. It's like, well, that's pretty damn good, but you're kind of thinking that there's still seven people ahead of you. Yeah, even in my first meet, I think I was, like, chasing a state record. So it started out with, like, me chasing state records, and then, like, once those got, like, pretty easily attainable, I think I was looking at national, or really world records, because all the nationals were in, like, in the U.S. anyways. So, yeah, from there, like, my, I just shifted from, like, okay, well, state records are lame now. I'm trying to do like world. Yeah, that's one of the hard realizations you have to make in powerlifting is that state records are they didn't become lame. They're always kind of lame. <laughs> I mean, I think wait, okay, if it's if you get one and like your first meet, that's cool. Like if you're first or second, like if you're new and you just go and get like a state record, that's cool. Oh yeah, and but it, but it also does build that like false sense of like confidence because I actually broke an eight, and an APF national record my first meet open national record and i legit thought i'm like oh i'm the strongest deadlifter in america that's how it works yeah. right and yeah. then you know and i didn't have any social media i was like on my own personal stuff like i just did powerlifting for fun and yeah. then i realized like towards my second being like oh shit there's like 30 other federations I'm like, never mind <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm like that deadlift isn't that good it's like top 50 in the world right now <laughs> like not all time like top 50 right now of the year yeah yeah of the, yeah it's like it was so demoralizing like i was so happy for like that one or two meet that yeah i had a national record then i was like oh this record doesn't mean shit until yep. and then i think that's a lot of state records i mean depending on the state i mean texas like if you take a state record in usapl texas you're probably taking the record off of some of the best lifters in the world but. Yeah, so the federation also matters too. Mm-hmm. Like USPA, they hold like they're pretty big. So like if you're mm-hmm. doing that, you're that means you're, you are pretty high. Yeah, you know. But it's like like smaller federations. It's like well, if there's not a lot of people doing it, then obviously it's easy to take it. Yeah, it it does it does matter on the state too because USPA Illinois isn't as high profile as USPA in Florida and Texas. Like yeah. a lot of the lifters in USPA Illinois. One, probably aren't setting a whole ton of state records because if you're a good enough lifter, you're not really set, setting state records. You're at different meets doing national records or trying to get close to that. But 
yeah, I remember looking at USPA records and kind of being underwhelmed in the state of Illinois. And state, local and state presence is pretty important too with federation as well. Yeah, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you seem to be very in tune, very knowledgeable about your own lifts. How did you, you know, started transitioning into coaching? Um, how did this, how did this happen? Um, <laughs> I think it was like straight out of like bodybuilding. So like when I was still kind of focused on the whole bikini, whatever, NPC training stuff, um, I was still kind of trying to play with numbers to, to kind of figure out like what's causing the strength gain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before I kind of went full in into powerlifting. So, cause like, so my background is in math, like statistics is my bachelor's. So I have like a weird thing with numbers. Like it's mm-hmm. like very obsessive. It's like OCD numbers. So anytime there's like numbers involved, I'm going to like full in and like, I'm like, there has to be like, there's something connecting all of this. Like there's a reason like any of this is happening. So yeah. So I was pretty much just playing like solve the game, whatever. I don't know what you call it. Um, with powerlifting, um, so started on early on with like the whole bodybuilding thing. I literally just have the whole thing mapped out. Um, the past boyfriend, he was he would do actual um, programming as well. So I would look at what he was doing and kind of like try to um, see if I see anything different. Like what if I see anything kind of better? So like, um, like so even with that as an example, he would like write me out like full programs. I wouldn't do it. I just couldn't. I just I didn't like the idea of not controlling like what I'm doing. Like I was like it was like, it was literally like a game to me, kind of like figuring out like the whole programming thing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted I needed to figure it out. Um, I mean like his his bases definitely helped, um, and like his ideas, right? Um, but then I just kept going like my own route and kind of like playing with it throughout the years until like eventually I'm at where I'm at and I'm just like okay, well this makes a lot a lot more sense to me now um and um i just got like my friend who like she's like kind of not into powerlifting but is into powerlifting um and i just told her like hey like let me try to like help you out and program for you um so it's kind of started out with her as like a guinea pig another guinea pig i guess Mm -hmm. um as like an athlete whatever to see like how i can help her um she was doing well so eventually throughout the time of like seeing what worked for her and seeing what worked for me and like kind of going back and forth like seeing what's working that like itself brought the program to like its next level um and then as i added like more like actual girls in and stuff like that um it just i feel like it just got like a really solid like overall base and everything and yeah now it just works i feel uh all right, so so then, what would you say takes top priority? Your coaching or your competing? Um, they're definitely like they work together. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like to me, like obviously, my lifting is a representation of who I am as a lifter, and my coaching is as well. Like, I think like like if you see like any a lot like any of my lifters, if you see them any of them like pull sumo, like for the most part, they're pretty solid sumo because I'm not gonna allow like some like some ugly stuff going on um so so like it's not going to be like um the like a conventional puller pulling sumo where they're like super leaning forward or so, like it's just it's, they're pretty solid sumos all around mm-hmm. um benching is like pretty solid um 
squats like they're like gonna i'm gonna make sure like they're hitting dead just because like to me it's it's like how i coach is a rep is a representation of who i am as a lifter um so yeah i, I definitely say they're it's like it's 50 50 because i consider them like a connection of me lifting as well and obviously like yeah i want to do really well as um a lifter myself but i also want to make sure i'm actually like coaching and not just like leading people towards like injuries or bad form or anything like that mm-hmm. like i think i take i take both of them very serious yeah so then which one do you enjoy more do you enjoy the day-to-day challenges of coaching or the day-to-day challenges of being a competitor both i mean like i feel equally as happy when i hit a pr as them mm-hmm. like if they do i'm like super stoked about it or if i hit one i'm obviously super stoked about it all right i'm gonna be a little bit of a dick right now and make you choose between the two if you had, if there was like some weird ultimatum that was made, uh-huh. you have to pick either coaching or competing, like red pill, red pill, blue pill sort of situation. What would yeah. you do? Um. Okay, so if it was like, if I had to choose between me do hitting a world record <laughs> or me just coaching, I would pick the world record. Okay, all right. <laughs> if we're talking that, if it's me like pulling some like normal-ass numbers, then it'll be coaching. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that makes sense, and I've done that before with, like, some guests who are, again, really good competitors and really good coaches, and I'm like, hey, pick one. Like, seriously, choose one, and they're like, dude, I fucking hate that question. He's like, like, I hate you so much for asking me that right now, because yeah. it, it is it is obviously a just an ultimatum that will never happen, yeah. but I'm always curious, because I've seen coaches who are great competitors and i always try to study them and see is what what takes you know top priority is it your coaching or competing because some of the times that will say something about someone's coaching if they're a really now if they're a really dedicated competitor they're going to be a really competitive coach too and that's mm-hmm. good that's good for an athlete if yeah. they want to beat other people you can bet your ass they're going to want their athletes to beat other athletes too yeah so it's literally a question i like started putting into my questionnaire i was just like so are you powerlifting for like hobby or fitness or do you like actually want like a record like Mm -hmm. i need to know because i need to know how like serious i'm taking you Mm -hmm. because if i if i'm putting out that energy of like all right we're gonna win we're gonna do this and you're just like dude i'm just like doing this for fun (laughs) you know like i need to know like how to like view you how to like talk to you Mm -hmm. kind of so yeah, I'm like, so, I don't know why you, like anyone would do this as a hobby. Like as just like a nonchalant hobby, I guess. I don't know. It's it's to me that's weird. Like I'm just a very competitive person. Like no, I'm in this to like win. Like mm-hmm. this isn't like, you know, like if anything, I'd go fucking like knit or something <laughs> stupid. I don't know. Well, I and I've said this uh, on many occasions that it starts off as a hobby for most of us. Like 95 percent, it starts off as a hobby, and then you get good at that hobby and then realize that there's a massive competitiveness in this hobby that you're doing. And it slowly starts like that spark turns into a flame of just like competitive energy where of course, like say if I win USAPL raw nationals, I ain't earning a, a damn cent from winning they USAPL. They have like, the SBD thing going on, like the Sheffield, whatever. Oh yeah, Sheffield, but then you're just like, but I mean, even if I win Raw Nationals, I probably won't even get invited to Sheffield because I didn't have like the IPF pedigree or whatever qualifications they were looking for. 
So, mm-hmm. but if I win USAPL Raw Nationals and beat Russ Orhe and beat all these other guys that I've looked up to and I know how good, and I beat them, granted, I won't get a set, but a cent from it, but I'll be the happiest motherfucker in the planet. Like, for at no, least I... an hour. <laughs> for at least an hour, I'll just be ecstatic. Like, I just beat all these people and I don't care if I didn't get paid. I just won a high profile competition against some of the world's best competitors. Yeah, but I mean, even with that, like, even though you don't get paid, like, I didn't get paid to to go in the gym and be, like, a douche in full 625, whatever, <laughs> but, like, that got me, like, so many, like, crazy, like, follows and mm-hmm. exposure, which in turn, through the Instagram world, gets you things. Oh, yeah. Oh, for, for sure, and, but then it just turns into a whole nother thing, because, again, I've, now, I this sport has paid me in ways, and I know it's paid you as well. It has, being good at the sport does pay. I'm mm-hmm. saying more so, you you have to take that extra leap yourself. Like, yeah. say if I didn't give a shit about social media, and say if I didn't try to market myself yeah. as a lifter and try to reach more people, yeah. then if I won USAPL Raw Nationals with 320 followers, then you definitely, you, you, you will not get paid, because people who are trying to endorse their supplement company, their clothing company, uh, any sort of powerlifting equipment, they're going to see 300 followers and be like, uh, yeah, we're well, a great lifter. You just aren't reaching yeah. a market or anything. So we're not going to really take you on as an athlete, but yeah. like all that can be removed. And I would just really just due to the simple, com- uh, competition aspect of it would just really like to win 83. When, if I, if you ever do win that competition that Monday, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm going to work uh, somewhere else that, like... They'll be like, oh, great job in competition. Yeah, like, like 90% of my coworkers... Yeah, like, 90% of my coworkers don't understand, and 90% of my coworkers, I really don't talk to them about it, because it's just, like, that's that's my other thing that I do. Did you do the thing where you, like, put it over your head? No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I might. I might... Nah, screw it. I'll bring the medal. I'll bring, I'll bring the medal over. <laughs> Also, with your coaching and competing, is there a difficulty balancing the two? I mean, I guess there can be. Like, if I'm, like, in the gym and I'm, like, super hyped about, like, my next lift, and then I get, like, a text, and it's like, hey, I just failed this, and it's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it's, like, the same lift I'm doing, I'm like, well, this is, like, bad juju. (laughs) Um, But for the most part, no. Like, I really don't care about, like, pausing my training and just like replying to them like fixing like all right just do this is this all right that's it because for the most part that's all it is like hey yeah lower the weight we'll we'll fix it on next session like it's fine it's not a big deal um and then i go right back into my training session which like i take like eight ten minute breaks whatever uh, between sets anyway so it really doesn't matter mm-hmm. yeah so overall no it doesn't really matter um uh i'm also like full-time coaching right now so i don't do anything else anyways <laughs> so like sometimes i'll be like 2 a.m they're like different time zones and mm-hmm. i'm like i'll wake up mid sleep whatever and i'll like read the text i'm like half asleep like okay let's do this <laughs> and then whatever go back to sleep and like that's so essentially it's like working the entire day it's not working the entire day like it's super chill um but yeah yeah that's i i when i go into gyms and i see that and i see other coaches who are also competitors have to balance it too i'm like man there's a lot of that would just suck and it was like the very same point that you just said is you know them getting texts from an athlete or them getting like information like just even things as hey does this look like rp7 
<laughs> like, and they're like looking I'm like, dude, if that happened, if, if that happened to me during training, like, whoa, whoa, I, I would like kind of lose it. Like, no, man, you got to figure that yourself. Like, the auto regulation thing is on you some of the yeah. times. Like, it's not always on me. But yeah. yeah, more power to people who take on the coaching. Yes, I, I can never do it. And I'm probably gonna go on record saying I never will Honestly, do it. Honestly, it has made me a way better lifter. Like even like the way I pull my mix grip now is literally like from one of my girls. Oh, okay. Like the way I've se- I saw her do it, I'm like I'm gonna replicate that. I actually really like that. Mm. So it, it it definitely works in favors of like when you see some what someone else does. Mm-hmm. And it's like actually I really like the way this athlete does that. I'm gonna copy her. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way. That actually makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, like, I discovered like different styles of like different like techniques of sumo. Literally, like you can either like with sumo, it's like you can literally. What I would do is taking out the slack, getting hips under, then going. But then one girl, she literally just throws her shoulders back to engage her lats and then pushes. So mm-hmm. there's literally like two setups that you can do, and like so like I go, I take that from like that, and then I apply it to like new like new lifters I get, and like actually like you can do because like, like okay. Like, the whole, like, slack, getting hips under, pushing, like, it makes sumo so technical. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, if you get a new lifter, you try to tell them that, it's not going to go well. Like, that, that's a lot of, like, cues for one movement. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but, like, they're, like, uh, so, like, the way that this girl was doing it with, like, throwing her shoulders back to, like, take the slack out in a way, um, and then just going was, like, a very easy one to teach someone how to pull sumo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So stuff like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. And also, speaking of technique, we do segment on the show, technique tip. What is one tip or cue that you would give others or a cue that has helped you in any of the three movements the most? For all three movements. Or any of the three. You could pick, like, one that – well, you could pick squat, bench, or deadlift. But is there any cue that has helped one of those lifts, like – has made that one of those lifts so much easier? Well, yeah, so what I was going to say is, like, this one has helped all of them. Oh, is, awesome. That's yeah. even better. <laughs> it is to calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, literally, like, I think, so something I would do a lot of the time, especially early on with sumo, was, like, uh, we see a lot of, like, yanking the bar, just because, like, you're, you're mm-hmm. kind of, like, you know, deadlifts kind of freak you out. You're, like, um, for some reason, like, nothing, like, literally nothing can happen with deadlifts. You're not going to fail and fall. Like, it's literally, you're going to get up or not. But we, we all, like, you know, you're snorting the ammonia, and you're just, like, hyping yourself, growling, whatever you do, and just yanking the bar. It's like, dude, if you just calm down and literally perform, like, literally just execute the lift, it's going to go. Which is, like, if you've seen, like, how my deadlifts have transitioned, where people are like, you're so patient off the floor. I'm like, yeah, because I'm literally going through, like, the exact movements I need to do, and then I know I need to just wait for it to break the floor, and then you'll see it fly up. Yeah. And, like, that has made a huge difference because with that patience is why now I'm getting my hips more in. And being more upright, and like as someone who like has a smaller back and bigger legs, like it works in my favor to just be patient. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, also like in squats. I'm a very slow squatter, so like bomb squatting doesn't work. Like I'm losing the if I bomb squat, I lose the root of my feet. You'll probably see like knee caving and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is like I was happy to look back at my 484 where I I took my time getting into the hole and then I got out and I'm like, damn, there's no knee cave in that, even though I'm like pretty wide mm-hmm. um, and that completely has to do with like literally rooting and literally doing like the motions i need to do for the weight so it's like something trevor talks a lot about um i think like one of his favorite hashtags is position over power it's like literally like if you just perform the movement like you need to get you need to get your head out of like the strength idea of it um 
it's like a it's a kind of a like i don't know it's a weird concept to like understand like just just execute the movement and progress while you're executing the movement correctly mm-hmm. rather than so focus on like if you can or cannot it's like be patient you can yeah and i don't think people talk enough about just calming down before lifts and yeah. it's I, I hate to compare powerlifting to any sort of like you know martial art or like combat sports because they're 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 different things. But fighters talk about that too. A lot of fighters say the whole like stare down thing or the whole mm-hmm. going to the ring amped up and energized is like the biggest loss of energy. Yeah. It, oh it, my god. Yeah. If you, and I see that a lot in powerlifting competitions, like the growling, the screaming, the grunting, the people, and like you're you're like almost blowing your energy walking up to the platform like yeah. harness it keep calm don't have your emotions dictate how you lift a weight yeah. if you're if if you are trying like to put on that facade of being super emotional and super aggressive then mm-hmm. i always see the the like the transition being they're going to yank the bar off the floor they're going to try to use they're just like Work will sports. they're gonna try to literally will it off the yeah. floor or will their squat you know to be a good lift sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but it's you it's don't want to make you don't want to make the, the the sport harder for yourself yeah you're more likely just gonna get injured that way because you're not in sync with your body at all you're just like you're literally just saying like do like forcing your body to do a movement and if mm-hmm. what happens in in that moment your body says no i can't do this but you're so brute force like not even paying attention to what's happening to your body and now this you now you tear something whatever because you just you literally forced your body to just do this rather than like going through the motion and listening to your body and just saying all right we're just gonna perform this like perform the movement literally like a machine perform it mm-hmm. you know and as someone who like i totally used to be like that person mm-hmm. where i was like sniffing the ammonia super hyped up got trap music blaring like waiting for the bass to drop just so i can like rip the shit off the floor like and it was it was it was like those are literally lifts i deleted from my page and i never look at because i'm like that's disgusting (laughs) yeah Yeah, and and it's and i have seen it work for other people and they kind of harness their energy in own way even if it comes out like before they hit the lift it's totally fine i was when people tell me it's like man you look pretty calm during your lifts it's like well yeah because i would like to scream like that's the one thing i want to do at that moment is like scream and let out the energy but let's save it for me actually lifting the weight yeah um because it does it actually does take a lot of energy doing the whole like you know the the tribal dances and the screaming and the yelling it it does actually take energy to do that yeah and yeah any advantage i can get i'm gonna try to take but yeah that's that is an underappreciated tip calming down chill yeah relax all right, and also we're gonna end. If you don't mind, on this segment, I did not put in the outline intentionally because I like to improvise this skit. It is called word association. Okay. Do you know how to play word association? I think you just say a word and I say a word back. Pretty much. Or I don't. I'm not as mean and tell you to do just a word. You could say you know your thoughts on it, or you could speak a little bit about it. So, give okay. you one word like squat. To death. <laughs> And that is a perfect one because a lot of people don't squat to depth. And and, in the sport where you get judged to squat to depth, people don't do it. Yeah, I was one of those. (laughs) It's not, but it's not easy. It's not easy to do. 
but it's yeah. yeah. No, there's so much fear in that little hole. <laughs> no reason. Well, and when yeah. you said like um, no, nothing could go wrong during deadlifts and people are doing the whole ammonia thing. Yeah, I agree. I'm not that amped up during deadlift, but squat. I've said it so many times. If you guys look at me squatting, anytime I'm squatting, I'm scared. I am scared. That's so scary. I am frightened. <laughs> I am frightened. I am stressed out. On competition day, it's worse. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm freaked out. Squat. You have safeties in like competition, especially like if you're using a mono. Like just put just put the rope straps. Like, oh, save I mean, I got blamed for dropping a bar this week in a hybrid, and I didn't even compete at hybrid. Oh wait, was that your guy? No, it wasn't my guy. People thought it was me. Oh, they yeah, thought yeah. it was literally me. I was yeah. so I'm like, I was getting the weirdest notifications all day, of like, <laughs> you fucking douche. <laughs> well, it was none, none of us hate. So by the way, okay. shout out to everyone who defended my honor. <laughs> you you didn't have to, but I was on my phone, looking just through notifications. I'm like, why am I getting mentioned in a lot of random comments? <laughs> and I'm trying to get the context. I'm not bad for that guy. I he's getting like roasted. He was getting roasted, and um, but at the same time, like, he did end up blaming the spotters, which is something you should never do. And yeah. the like, and and this does happen in competition where you drop the bar. People do drop yeah. the bar in competition. It happens. You should never do it. But if you're a low bar squatter, it happens. Yeah. Always check on the people that you almost just murdered, because yeah. in his defense, okay, so. I'll give people the benefit of the doubt. In his defense, he grinded that squat out. Yeah. Right? Well, and then it, I mean... No, it was a grinder. It was a grinder, and he got it. And I was like, okay, cool, you got it. But then the bar just falls. Oh. And... I could I could tell what it was com- he was coming from. He was so mad that he got it up to the top, and it slipped yeah. right out of his grasp. Like, I would be angry and frustrated, too. But apparently it was because they said... They, they called the rack command, and they didn't bring him in. Or, like, they called the rack command, I think... Uh, supposedly, they they call, they call the they called the rack man, but they didn't put the mono back in. Uh, so you, then, still, you got. But also watching it, it just slipped off. So I don't know. It, it, no, yeah, because I watched it. I'm like, but still, because even with a mo- with a monolith, it's actually a little bit easier. You still yeah. you still got to look for the rack. Yeah. You still got to look for it. I think what happened is he got it up to the top, and it was a good lift. Yeah. And it slipped right at the end where you don't want the bar to slip right when you yeah. get the lift and the fact that you dropped After the bar a grinder that sucks exactly and he was probably just so mad and so yeah. frustrated that yeah. the bar dropped and also embarrassing whenever you drop a bar on spotters it's incredibly embarrassing and instead of owning up he panicked and kind of just yeah. walked off um but one of the judges like uh one of the judges actually she judges from the floor like sitting on the floor i'm like she could have died yeah i well the, the things that i saw was the, like i didn't even know notice that because that's that's crazy but then like other people who just had to move their feet yeah if that drops on their feet goodbye goodbye your foot you might have you might never get that foot again and i'm not <laughs> exaggerating you might not not get that like, foot even again. if it was 200 pounds falling from like that height like yeah but once again i'm gonna break it on here it was not me I did not do it. Um, oh, yeah, I was getting weird notifications all day for people defending me. And like, what do you guys know Fortino Power did after the – after he? you just see only five seconds of the video. I'm like, wait, do they legit think that's me right now? And the funny thing is I gave the video to that meme page. 
they oh, really? asked me, yeah, because I put on my close friends list too, because I didn't, I tried not to like curse too much, like yeah. throughout my story. So I usually yeah. save cursing for uh, my close friends list, and then yeah. the po- the meme page like interacted with like, oh shit, what was oh, going? Oh, subpar. Oh yeah, subpar. Subpar. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, subpar powerlifting memes like saw the they're on my close friends list, so they saw it, and I'm like, oh dude, this is actually meme worthy. If you want to take it, it's like, oh yeah, sure, send me it. And then the entire day, I'm just being blamed for dropping weight on people. And I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> I'm like, not every guy in glasses and beard look alike. But <laughs> apparently we do. All right. All right. So, yeah. Word association. We're still on it. Uh, bench. Pause. I'm, re- I'm really lame at this. Okay. Let's no, try again. You know, no, you're not, you're not <laughs> lame at it. So, usually people have something negative to say about bench. I mean, I could, uh, another word would be, like, arch, just because that's something I get, like, grilled on sometimes. Yeah. Very, very common. Do you have a big arch? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> I might have to look at your bench I videos. mean, it's not like Sean's, it's a... but it's, it's decent. Yeah, it's... it's... Good. I think it's an it's a triggering internet one, because I never looked at your arch being People triggering like at all. like you can't just go do yoga or something. Like, if you, like, tried to arch, you could arch as well. You would literally have, like, the same advantage that you're complaining about. Oh, it's yeah. like, okay. If it makes such a big difference, then arch and add 100 pounds to your bench, and now you add it to your total. Yeah. That's logic. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's really, yeah, that's, um, because I have seen, actually, my last guest, uh, Ricky, he gets trashed a lot for his arch, and I'm like, one, I think your arch is a work of art. It's not like Sean Noriega triggering, because that arch is insanity. It is crazy. Um, yeah. But his is like, and I actually qualify those two as works of arts, because the ability to do that and be able to manipulate 500 pounds, which Sean did yesterday, at least when we're recording. Um, yeah, it was, was a whole thing. They're like, all right, we're going to post your video, but I honestly just want to know like how much shit talking we're about to get on these comments. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was going to be an end. I think he's so used to it by now that it really doesn't phase him. But, yeah. yeah, that's a triggering thing with a lot of people is bench arch, which I never thought would happen. I really never thought that that would be the thing. And powerlifting <laughs> that like got people triggered. Yeah, I that and like obviously the sumo thing. People aren't a fan of that. All right, well let's it's move always, on. To- it's always it is kind of like weird when you see a guy with a good arch though. Like you see girls, you're like, yeah, and whatever. It makes sense. Like she, you know, she obviously isn't gonna have a lot of like chest and whatever. It's like no, if you're smart, you'll be a guy. You'll do the same exact thing because obviously you have a torso as well that you can like arch as well. But you actually have a back and like solid upper body that like you can totally outdo the girl oh yeah you know you're, you know mm-hmm. oh yeah and uh noriega is he is about as limber as a 13 year old gymnast so yeah i don't get it i keep trying to like copy him and like another one uh brandon big for nothing i don't know if you know who that is he's he goes to hybrid he's another one apparently sean had like helped him with his arch like he was trying to like communicate with me like what what's going on like how they're doing this because like my a lot of my arch comes from like being able to from like more so my lower back and i have to like get my upper back as like limber or whatever um but yeah like there's a bunch of like i forget i forget there's some girls who um have massive arches like sean but sean's is just so sean's i don't understand his because like he has no lower back arching it's like all coming from like bringing his rib cage to the bar and then just sitting like normal like just letting his like butt come down yeah. There's like not there's not like a lower back arch. That's pretty it's, much what because when I started getting coaching that was the main critique was you really don't have a 
arc at all. It's like you're not flat. It's like you have a arc in your lower back. It's like that's how, where you want your arc yeah. to come in. It could be through your rib cage. And yeah. that was had to be told to me. I'm like, oh, so that was the cue was sit back on your craps and then yeah. slowly lower your butt onto the bench where it's barely getting, touching. Um, yeah, getting the, getting the nape of your neck like pretty much glued to the bench helped yeah. me a lot. Yeah, making it as long as possible was another good cue on, like, I mean, my bench is a little bit more stable now. Uh, the numbers are, I mean, it's 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 going to be a while till it's an actual respectable bench. But, um, like, the, the cues right now has helped. But I, when, when I did interview Noriega for the show, he did, like, specify, like, I don't tell people to do what I do. Like, there's only, there's, like, there's a lot of people who just can't do it. Or yeah. they're just not going to be able to. He's like, so I would never advise people to do my type of arch. Yeah, that excessive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, next word. Deadlift. Heavy. Oh. I mean, it's the heaviest lift for most of the time. <laughs> it is the, it is like the, it is the way to jump from 13th place to first place. Yeah, 1000%. With a big yeah. deadlift. How about USPA? How about an easier one? USAPL. Lame. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Natties. Natty boys. Yeah, and that could be a lame for a lot of people. <laughs> that could be extremely lame. How about a hook rip? Painful. Painful. That's the number one I get is painful for hook yeah. rip. Water cuts. They suck. <laughs> Yeah, not not advisable. Yeah, because I'm I've never been a fan of like even losing weight as opposed to losing weight in like one day. All right, and I'll let you go on this one: bodybuilding. Starving. <laughs> that's yeah. That's uh. If there's one, the feeling of thin is just you being hungry all the time. Yeah, that's literally like that's the only way you really like. Okay, okay, I want to say that's the only way you can really, like, lose weight. It depends on, like, the intensity of you trying to lose weight. If you're trying to do, like, two pounds a week, you're going to be fucking hungry. If you're trying to do, like, half a pound a week, it's going to be, like, an occasional growl mm-hmm. here and there. <laughs> All right. This has been a terrific interview. Um, thank you for coming on Two White Lights. Hopefully have you on again sometime, and good luck in your next meet. All right. Thank you. And we are back. Thank you again, Casey Romero, for coming on the show. Hopefully, we can have you on again sometime. And that's going to do it for Two White Lights. Please subscribe, leave a five-star rating, leave a review on iTunes, follow on Spotify. We are available on all platforms. Um, Also, yeah, definitely subscribe because we got a few requests on having the sound quality for guests to be better. Um, and that's very difficult if they're over FaceTime. They're just naturally always going to be lower. But if you subscribe, leave five-star ratings, and if we get enough of those, yeah, we'll upgrade our equipment. We need money to do that. And the way we get money is if we get a lot of subscribers. So subscribe, leave a review, leave a five-star rating, and you will be able to get better sound quality for guests. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. See you guys next week working on a guest. There is a long lineup that we can choose from, so um, yeah, be excited. Be excited for it. Again, that's going to do it for Two White Lights. Peace. Ooh, baby.